In preparation for today's message, we shall be reading from the book of Galatians, chapter 1, verses 6 to 9. Again, that is Galatians, chapter 1, verses 6 to 9. I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting Him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel, not that there is another one. But there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you, let him be accursed. As we have said before, so now I say again, if anyone is preaching, you to, a preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one you received, let him be accursed. Good morning. Before I preach the message today, we will be praying, but I have a short comment as a pastor of this church about believers involving in politics. This is not the message today, but I believe I need to make a small comment about this. Uh, number one, can a believer get involved in politics? If you are a believer and a citizen of this country, you should be involved one way or another. Involved meaning you have to be careful who you vote. Now, I'd like to say with all my heart, please do not make up your mind so quickly. You're convinced by a YouTube video or some Facebook post and you have made up your mind. I think you're one of those that may be gullible enough. I pray that you take time to pray and look at Scripture and find who is closest to the Scripture. As we said, nobody is perfect. No candidate is perfect. But we try to find who is closest to the Scripture with integrity of heart and skillfulness of hands, as we learned from David. Skillfulness meaning the acumen the knowledge to really do something about it. Integrity involves who the person is and his history or her history, whether it, was, it has integrity or not. But in every candidate, you know that it's a competition and opponents throw mud at each other. Now, if you easily believe this without verifying it or taking the time, I hope you will change your approach and be prayerful about it. You will not hear me endorse a presidential candidate upon you as I did before, but I am a promoter on how to vote according to scripture. Yet I am surprised when I hear some of you, although I don't give my comments in front of you so that I won't embarrass you, but I'm surprised that some of you believe so quickly the things that some of us have verified and you have not even asked others whether it's verified or not and you believe so quickly. Do not be with a bandwagon. What is a bandwagon? Seems everybody's going here. Let's go here. But rather prayerfully. Let the Lord's will be done and may we be guided. Now, if a believer involves in politics, we will pray for them. There are those who are involved in the Senate race and in the local races. We will pray for them. And uh, we will pray and hope that the will of God will be done At least we know that there is some seed of the gospel in there, in their hearts. And we're hoping and praying that they will 
do their best if they win, as the Lord blesses them to win, if it is God's will for them to win, to exercise the fear of God and the implementation for the good of their town or country or district or province or the Philippines if they are senators. Now, having said that, I would like to pray because there are two who attend our church regularly who are running for office. One is our sister, Trixie McKilling, for board member in the province, and another one, Brother Glenn Mesa, running for mayor in Tigaon. We will pray for God's will, that the Lord will provide all their needs. Yet, as I pray for them, I am not giving a public endorsement necessarily because the Church of Jesus Christ, GCF, is not a political machinery. Is that clear? But there is nothing wrong to pray that the Lord strengthen them and protect them and the Lord guide them and may the will of God to be done. I don't know God's will. Of course, I am hoping in my heart as an individual for you know what, but it's not something I will go online and say everybody uh, do this because as a pastor, my main thing that, that I promote is the gospel of Christ. I hope that is clear. Let us pray. Father in heaven, we lift up to you our brother Glenn and sister Trixie. Guide them with wisdom and knowledge. Provide for all their needs. Give them the right people to surround them. And we pray for godly people as well to be their best advisors. We pray for skill. We pray that you preserve their integrity. We pray as well, Father, for your, your abundant blessing upon their family. Win or lose, bless them abundantly. Win or lose, give them a stage to proclaim. Win or lose, give them a chance to promote the Word of God. And should you bless them to win, may they be a blessing to many, like David, who has integrity of heart and skillfulness of hands in leading others. And may they do as the Constitution instructed them, commanded them, as the law commanded them of their roles and responsibilities. Bless them abundantly. Let thy will be done in Jesus' name. And for all the other Christians, believers running for office in this country, May they become a positive influence, protect them from all compromises that may compromise their integrity. And we pray that you uphold them and surround them with the right people. We thank you, Father. And we pray, use those who are in, in office to guard and protect from the decay of the morality of a nation. Thank you, Father, for those who have been in office and those who have honored your name abundantly we thank you lord in jesus name amen amen praise god galatians 1 verses 6 to 9 the title today is one gospel there seems to be other gospels but they are not really other gospels there is only one good news that comes from the Father through Jesus Christ. Paul gave the Galatians a greeting of grace and peace in Christ. The greeting included the death and resurrection of Christ and God's purpose to deliver us from this present evil age. 
to die for our sins, but also to deliver us, to rescue us from this evil age, meaning the influence, the sinful influence of the world, that we may be delivered from it. Paul also identified himself as the epistle's author, and he included his call as an apostle sent by the Lord and not by men. After giving the Galatian believers a cordial greeting, Paul immediately expressed his disappointment in powerful words. He said that they deserted the grace of Christ for another gospel, which was not the gospel. Paul would further declare a curse, a curse on anyone who would distort the gospel. It is common for Paul in his letters, after the salutation, he would thank the Lord for the faith of those whom he is writing to. I thank the Lord for your faith. Your faith has been known all over. So such are the words of Paul in other letters. But here, he skipped. There was no thanksgiving. There's no thanksgiving to the Lord for your faith. There's none. After the salutation, he went direct. It was a rebuke. Although he started with, hey, grace and peace. I'm not here for a quarrel, but I have to preach the truth. I still have to rebuke you. But grace and peace, I hope you understand that, that the truth is above all of us. And I hope that is true within our church community. That the truth is above all our relationships. The truth of the Lord is higher than any relationship here. And that includes the home. The truth of the Lord is higher than any other. That must be clear. Now, my first point is deserting the gospel. Deserting the gospel. Paul expressed his surprise that the Galatians deserted the gospel quickly. Let's read, read verse 6. I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to another gospel. So he said, I am astonished. I am surprised that you are quickly leaving, deserting, leaving Christ. Who called you in the grace. Leaving God who called you. So to be, he's saying that to believe in another gospel or not the real gospel is leaving God himself. So friends, the purity of the gospel here is very important because if you believe in an inaccurate gospel. He's saying that you are leaving. You're not connected to him. You've left him. So it is necessary that the gospel is very clear. That's why if you are one of those who think, well, it doesn't matter. It's all the same. You believe in that. I believe in this. And we're all a happy family. Why don't we just love one another? No, 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 no. Paul is saying, no. If you believe in another, you are leaving him. 
You're leaving him. Because through the gospel is what? Where the justice and mercy of God meet in Christ. That's why it's good news. Justice was received by Christ. God is still a just God. He's not an unjust God because he delivered justice. And through a substitute, Christ, the perfect sacrifice, it has to be perfect. He has to be perfect. No sin. Otherwise, there's no substitution. Only the innocent can substitute for the guilty. If a guilty substitute for the guilty, it's still guilty. And that is found in where? In a foreshadowing in the Old Testament. In the Old Covenant ceremonies, it was foreshadowed there. Where the innocent sheep or, or lamb or animal who had nothing to do with a person's sin would be sacrificed to cover for that person's sin. And they do that every year for Christ once and for all. That's why it is important that the gospel is clear and we believe in the gospel, not religion, but the gospel, the purity of it, nothing added, nothing subtracted, but only the gospel. Now, it is important to note that anyone who believes in a different gospel, again, is deserting the grace of Christ. You're deserting the grace of Christ. Now, here in this letter, Paul wrote with deep concern. A mixture of anguish and perhaps holy anger mixed in his heart. You'll see it by the tone. When you read it, there's that tone. There's that tone of, like here, I am surprised. I am astonished. Nagulat ako. Now, Paul had to defend the gospel. Take note. In this epistle, he would defend the gospel and he would not want any change in the gospel. No change. The gospel. A deviation of belief means desertion of the grace of Christ, which means you leave the mercy of God. If you don't believe, if you believe in another gospel, not the real gospel, you don't have the mercy of God. Just the justice and wrath of God. Please take note of that. That's why this is important for us. Now, on the other hand, God gives, bestows his grace and mercy through faith in what? In the genuine gospel, the gospel that the apostles preached. The gospel that Jesus said at the end of his ministry as recorded in Luke. That is that you are witnesses to these things. Witnesses of what? That the Messiah suffered and died and rose again on the third day. And you should proclaim repentance for the forgiveness of sins to all the nations. Next point is the false gospel. Let's read verse 7. Not that there is another one, but there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. Let's read that again. 
Not that there is another one, but there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. Paul explained that the different gospel is no gospel. He warned of the people who sowed confusion. Some people tried to pervert. The meaning of pervert is to change what is proper, to change what is set, to pervert or make some changes to the gospel. Now, no one should make changes because the gospel is his, not man's. Let us not try to add or subtract anything from the gospel because it doesn't belong to us. Yes, it was given to us, but the gospel belongs to the Father and the Son. Not for ours to change. Not for us to tinker with. Once you begin tinkering with it, you become a false religion. Once you begin tinkering, changing a little bit of it, you become a false teacher. Sometimes unknowingly. Now, there are people in every generation that try to distort the gospel. Any changes in the gospel make it a false gospel. Yet the Lord, in every generation, raises defenders. People, godly people, to defend the purity of the gospel. Now, there can be no addition or subtraction to it. And that is why it is good to study the Holy Scriptures without addition. As the scripture says, as we study in the intent of the author, what does he say? What is he saying? How did they define the gospel? How did Christ define the gospel? How did the apostles preach the gospel? How did they write about the gospel? But through time, men sometimes unknowingly to make it easier to understand, and there's nothing wrong with creating illustrations and using some parts of the epistles, but not in a unified presentation that connects with the narratives of Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John, and the Acts, sometimes isolating one verse and creating a gospel out of that, making it not giving the whole picture of what the gospel is, unknowingly have distorted it may have started by as an act of faith because we preach have faith in the Lord Jesus Christ to make it easier for audiences as an act of faith. Why don't you just raise your hand if you believe? And if you raise your hand, they say you are saved. Then after just raising a hand, they felt they wanted a prayer because they needed to accept him instead of them being commanded to repent and believe. They just needed to accept him in a very easy way, which is just to follow the sinner's prayer. And thus it has become easier once again. And after you bowed down and repeated after me, and they just say, if you just sincerely said that, you are saved. Isn't that in scripture? Yes, if you isolate some, it is. But if you look at the whole, for example, as I keep saying, a favorite is sometimes Romans 10, 9 and 10. Just believe in your heart and confess the Lord Jesus. But not, do not forget that Paul also wrote 2 Timothy chapter 2. 
verse 19, that everyone who names the name of the Lord should abstain from wickedness. What does that mean? It's still repentance. And how can you quote Romans 10 without going through the beautiful discourse of Romans 1 to 9? Out of context, once again. Again, it is good to study the gospel. Now, not just because some popular preacher preaches this way, you think it's right. I keep saying to you, everything we speak, me or others, or you at one another, every word, every sentence, every thought that comes out of us must be checked. If you are a true believer, you check it from the word because the highest authority is the word of God. It is not the personal opinion of a minister, no matter how popular or how high the position. No, no, no. We are all submitted, should be submitted to the word of God. Hey, but that's not all. <laughs> I've been wanting to preach on Galatians. I think I waited several years. I've finished quite a number of writings on these manuscripts way before. Because I have to bring to you one of the dreadful warnings in Scripture if anyone distorts the gospel. Let's read verse 8 and 9. Next point is the curse. But even if we, Paul is speaking, remember, he signed Paul and the brothers who are with me. Remember, it is them writing to the Galatians. It's not just him, it's them. But even if we, Paul, if we, first him and his brothers, or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you. Let him be accursed. Let him be anathema. I'll explain what cursed means. As we have said before, so now I say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one you received, let him be accursed. In the English language, if you want to have a strong emphasis, you use an exclamation point. And if you want more emphasis, you'd use two exclamation points. Now, in journalistic writing, they say three is the maximum. That's at least what I learned in school. If you go four, it, it, it's just useless already. Okay? But, you know, in social media, it's like a hundred times, right? You know, I mean, until they feel their anger is appeased, that's when they stop putting those exclamation points. And now it's easier. You just put one emoji, right? Then it is repeating the whole statement. Okay, sometimes a word is repeated once, twice, and three times. That's their exclamation. Here he repeated it twice, which means in the whole letter, 
This one has the most emphasis. So do not forget verses 8 and 9. Him who believes on gospel that's different from what was preached, let him be accursed. That includes all men. And that includes angels. So if an angel says to somebody, the gospel is wrong, this is the gospel, let that angel be accursed. And do you know that some cults, cult leaders claim that, that that angel appeared and gave them a message. And it's a message different from the word of God. I think it's clear where they're going. Paul warned again that anyone who preaches another gospel destines himself for destruction. He emphasized the severity of the warning by repeating it twice. Now, this statement is general that encompasses time and geography. Yet, he most likely referred to the one, well, the statement is for all of us, but this is highly targeted to the Galatians. No, not the Galatians, those who were troubling the Galatians. The gospel is about faith in Christ and his finished work. We go back. Faith in Christ and in his finished work. Not about anything else. Faith in Christ and what did he do? He suffered and died for sins. Who will be saved? Those who believe in him. And when we say believe, we do not talk about a passive belief. We're talking about a belief that says what? I believe you more than myself. I believe you more than anyone. It is that kind of belief, not about anything else. Our application, number one, know the gospel. The gospel is about the suffering and death of the Lord Jesus Christ because of our sins. He became a substitute for those who would believe in him. Then God raised him from the dead because he had no sin. Thus, death had no claim. Death could not claim it. And I'd like to say that's the difference. When you ask or somebody asks, what's the difference with Christianity with all other religions? He died, he rose again, and he never died again. And there were so many witnesses. There are biblical witnesses and outside the Bible historians writing that there are sightings. People claim of sightings of the resurrected Christ. There is testimonial evidence. We know in court that's what they do. How many saw it? And then there's a lot, I saw it. They come up with stories similar, but not exactly the same. And that is how it is found authentic. Because they had all had different experiences. And that strengthens our conviction. Take note, Christ, Christ. Not any saint rose again from the dead. You hear me? Did you hear me? No other so-called saint rose again from the dead. So who is our focus? 
Who is the focus of the gospel? Faith in whom? Christ alone. Muhammad did not rise from the dead. Buddha did not rise from the dead. Confucius did not rise from the dead. Lao Tzu did not rise from the dead. However nice some of their writings were, they did not rise from the dead. Lazarus rose from the dead, but he died again. Christ did not. Why? He is eternal forever. Our high priest. The Lord commanded his disciples to proclaim repentance for the forgiveness of sins. It follows that those who genuinely believe in him should repent of their sins through the regenerating power of the Spirit. Now, Brother Ed, uh, we're going through this book again. We believe in the gospel. Yes, but are you defending it enough? Are you proclaiming it enough? And that's the challenge for all of us. Are we? Because this is the heart of Christianity. Without the resurrection, we are nothing. No matter how much you've heard of this, if you get tired of this, oh, I know that already again. And if that is your attitude, then you don't understand what he did for your soul. If somebody saved your life forever, you will be grateful. You saved my life. You gave me a kidney. You saved my life. You provided for my operation. You saved my life. And somehow, we on earth are eternally grateful for them as long as we live for those who saved our lives. Now, what about the soul of man? How precious is your soul to you? If you get tired and sick of this, ah, let me warn you. Let me warn you. You don't understand the gospel and you are insulting the one who gave you this gift. If you don't appreciate, if it doesn't make you fall on your knees and say, thank you. I am lost, but now I am found. My soul did not care of the gospel, but now I see I was blind. All I cared about was myself. But somebody, somebody from before the foundation of time said, what? I have chosen you. And he did not make it easy for his son. <laughs> he did not make it easy. The son had to suffer through the pain of torture of the Romans. Had to. And you don't appreciate that. You think it's just a myth. Beware of distortions. Some people knowingly or unknowingly distort parts of the gospel. Therefore, we must carefully and skeptically listen to every preacher. One must maintain distance from those who do not preach as the Lord commanded. As the Lord commanded, Luke 24 is beautiful, very specific. If a preacher does not emphasize what the Lord commanded for us to proclaim, we should put a question mark. And there are many. And they look like Christians. And some of them even have mega churches. 
They're very uplifting when they're preached, very encouraging. There's nothing wrong with that. You want to be encouraged, remember the gospel, all right? Remember what he did, and you'll find your encouragement there. Oh, praise be the Lord. You can sing these lovely songs, whether there are problems all around you, but then you remember what he did, and you sing the song, It is well, it is well, it is well with my soul. It is well in the midst of pandemic, it is well. Even if I'm dying at this moment, you can say, it is well with my soul. You need encouragement. You need somebody to massage you and pat you in the back. Sure, we need that. As a body of Christ, we do that, especially in the small groups. It's best there. But then we are not the main source of encouragement in our spiritual life. God uses us, each other, to build one another, but that is not the main thing. It is who? Christ the Lord. It is Him. It is Him. It is Him. So we do not allow distortions. We should not allow distortions. Some people knowingly or unknowingly do it. But let us beware for those who add to the gospel Good works cannot save anyone. Although good works are the fruit of genuine faith, let us also beware of those who subtract emphasis on critical elements of the gospel. For example, repentance. When there is more emphasis of letting him in to your life, they quote Revelations 3.20, which is not really for the non-believers. It was a proclamation of Rebuke, within the context of rebuke, in Revelation 3.20, and Jesus said, I stand at the door and knock of the church. It is not the heart of man. Again, misquoting verses and making it the gospel. What is the gospel? Suffering, death, resurrection, unexplained why and how of it, and then the command to have faith and have faith as well to repent of their sins. Who would listen to such? Somebody said to me, nobody would. <laughs> you see, our job is to proclaim, not to anticipate their reaction. Is, is that clear? Um, we present it in different ways, gentle, firm, as long as we present it. It is the Lord God and His Spirit who saves, not us. Our role is just to proclaim. We don't know who will be saved. We don't know who he will save. But what we do know is we have to proclaim. And that's it. Proclaim what? Make sure you proclaim correctly. And what I can do today, I cannot proclaim a curse upon anybody, but I will echo what the scripture says. So what do we do? We echo the curse. The warning. Those who change the gospel are declared anathema by scripture which means cursed or destined for destruction. If you preach another gospel, you have established your path to destruction. The only way out of it is to believe in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Therefore, let us preach the gospel accurately. Don't believe in those who say, you need to have faith plus 
good works, faith plus obedience. No, no, no. Faith saves, which results in obedience. But obedience does not save. Please, there's a big difference. Forcing yourself to obey does not save you. It is not a point system to cover for your past sins, do more good works. That is wrong. I don't see that. I don't see Jesus saying that. But what? But what? Believe. Genuine faith in what he has done will result in obedience because you want to. Why? The Holy Spirit changed your heart. Because you want to obey, not because you have to obey. And that's the change that happens within us. We now learn to love the word. Not force ourselves because of what? The Holy Spirit and the Holy Scriptures. But we echo this warning. Please do not change the gospel. However, one problem is that some of those who preach a false gospel think they are faithful preachers of the gospel. Well, what do we do? First, don't believe them. We urge one another not to change, but preach the gospel as it is recorded in scripture. So what do we do? We invite others to study with us the holy scriptures. And how do we study about the gospel? Well, we can study Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. We could study the book of Acts, how they proclaim the gospel. And we can see how it was explained in the epistles and find a harmony of practice in all of scripture. And then there's clarity on proclaiming the scripture, not choosing one and say, oh, not that. You know, I was invited in a, uh, a small group of businessmen. They say it's a support group. And then, can you talk? I said, oh, sure, sure. It's just, just a small group, so it's an online thing. And they asked me, well, I asked him, what do I talk about? He said, anything. So if you tell me anything, I'll bring you back to Luke 24. The gospel as Christ explained it to his disciples and the command to proclaim repentance. So I shared it, just big verses in slides. I got mixed reactions. Let, let me tell you, let me share to you as my brothers and sisters. So somebody said, in my church, and it's a big church, for 20 years I've been there, I have never heard a preaching on repentance, not once, 20 years. And Jesus said, proclaim repentance, right? Not once. Then another one argued, well, uh, isn't it more richer that we don't preach repentance if they just believe? So again, why not repent and believe, right? <laughs> I said, uh, well, then he tried to quote me something from, from an article that in the book of John, the word repentance doesn't exist. And I have to tell him, look at the whole article. It exists there in a different form. In what form? Because those who do not believe do not obey. Christ said, if you love me, then obey my commandments. 
It's another way of saying repentance, as Paul said to them who name the name of the Lord should abstain from wickedness. It's another meaning of repentance, to turn away from sin. But one said there, so there is hope for this group. And he said, this is a wake-up call. This is a wake-up call for us, me and my church. We need to proclaim what the Lord told us to proclaim. So we are thankful. If we sin, let us genuinely repent of it. And please, let us not be stubborn. Why? Well, we love him, but we must also respect him, his word. We love him, but we must also fear him. You don't come to church just because of the love of God. You come to church as well, or you believe in him because you deeply respect and fear him. It's not one over the other because scripture teaches both. To love your God with all your heart strength. And it's all over scripture, especially Proverbs, that we should fear God. Why not both? And it makes you a more complete believer to see God as well as a just and holy God, yet a gracious and merciful God in Christ. We are blessed, ladies and gentlemen, brothers and sisters. We are blessed with the gospel. Although this is a strong message, I hope it inspires you. Whenever you're down, think of the gospel. Of course, look for one another. As brothers and sisters, we should look for one another for prayer. But when you are down, you just remember what he did. And remember, the most important things are spiritual blessings. Your soul is more important than your body. Your soul is more important than material things. I'm not saying neglect, don't work, or neglect your body. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying with spiritual eyes, we see that what he did for us is the most important thing ever. Let me share to you a poem called Anathema. A curse upon all who distort the purest gospel of the Lord. They distort knowingly or not, yet guilty for any changed part. Therefore, be ever so careful, for the curse declared is dreadful. The Lord Jesus suffered and died so that grace and truth to provide. The Father raised him from the dead cause of the sinless blood he shed. Faith in the gospel and none else, thus Nothing more and nothing less. No work of the law can save you. Morality and good works too. It's grace alone through faith alone. Not the good works we claim and own. But faith will result in good works. Let's make sure it's not the reverse. For true believers believers shall obey. Because they believe the only way. Once again, beware the warning, anathema, soul-destroying. To all who distort the gospel, beware then of such cursed people. Thus, let us stay true to the word, and accuracy is preferred. Let's carefully study the text, prayerfully and in context. Let us all rise and let us pray. 
Thank you, Lord, for your message. Grace and peace you have given us. May we learn not to be troubled by others who speak about another gospel or distortions of the gospel. Let us not easily fear those who say you may manufacture stuff to make us believe, to force us to do things, to manipulate us, to allow us to just believe the purity of the gospel. And no matter what, the end times do not scare us. We do not want war. We pray for peace. But if war comes to us, it is well with my soul. It is well with our soul. We don't want sickness, but if sickness visits us, we can still say, it is well with my soul. If terrible things happen, and we pray not, but we can say, it is well with my soul. Because of what Jesus did, many years ago suffered and died for our sins and those who believe would be saved those who repent of their sins receive forgiveness yet we thank you that in good times we can always say it is well with my soul if riches increase we pray do not allow us to lose our way we pray we will not set our minds and hearts and eyes on the riches, but we will say, it is well with my soul. It is first about the Lord. When opportunities abound, may we see more the opportunities of the kingdom rather than self-advancement. Yet we thank you for these opportunities. And if they abound, we will glorify you. Yet we put you first. Because through you it is well with my soul. When there are many things to be proud of in our lives, in our families, teach us to be humble. Because we know it's simply by grace alone that you bless us. You are the sovereign God. And we can say it is well with my soul. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of the Father, and the fellowship of His Spirit be with you all. And God's people say, Amen. Amen. God bless you. Good morning.